Hello again, fellow security professionals, and welcome to another episode of the Global Security Consultant Podcast. I'm Luke Bensey, founder and managing director of the Washington, D.C.-based consulting firm, Security Management International. And today, I thought it'd be fun to give you a little insight into my early years and talk about how my football career translated into a professional career as a global security consultant. Uh, Moreover, I want to talk to you about the parallels that I see between the game of football and the global security consulting industry as a whole. Uh, Now, uh, to clarify, for those of you listening outside of the United States, when I talk about football, I'm talking about the game of American football, uh, not soccer, as we might call it here. Uh, This is not, you know, FIFA World Cup football, nor will there be uh, uh, any any case studies on Pele or Maradona, anything like that. Uh, and, And now my U.S. listeners actually may find that funny, but when I look at the analytics for our, our website and our podcast, uh, we do have listeners from nearly 30 countries. Uh, so I want to ensure that all the grammatical terms are not lost in, in any kind of translation here. Uh, so with that simple caveat, let me now tell you a little bit about my younger years, uh, something that I, I rarely do simply because I find it a bit embarrassing. Uh, however, today I think that I have some uh, relevant examples Uh, that should uh, resonate with our audience, uh, particularly those Americans who are hungry for the NFL and college football seasons to begin. Uh, God help us if COVID cancels football season. I don't know what we do here in the United States. Uh, And I do want to mention this is being recorded on uh, July 4th. So uh, happy happy birthday to uh, America as well. So uh, anyway, let me get started. So just a a little bit of of history here with me. Uh, You know, when I was 18 years old, I played high school football in Sarasota, Florida, uh, the town that I recently moved back to now after 20 some years of being away, Uh, played for the Riverview Rams. Uh, We had a good team back then that had gone to the 6A Florida State Championship two of the previous three years uh, when I was playing. And, And 6A means that it's the largest size category of uh, schools by enrollment. Uh, So we were the the largest uh, category of schools. And unfortunately, we lost both times we played in the championship game. But, you know, being on a winning team did bring a lot of attention from college scouts to to myself and and my fellow teammates. Uh, At the time, I played quarterback, the quarterback position. I was six feet four. Uh, I had a strong arm and I was a a pretty good athlete. Uh, I also played basketball and I I ran the hurdles and track and high jumped. uh, and I also went to the state finals in the decathlon. So I really enjoyed track back then, too. I was a lot thinner, a lot faster. Um, but as a result of, of playing uh, football, I was offered uh, my share of Division I college scholarships. Uh, in fact, I was a Parade Magazine All-American my senior year in high school. And I was offered 107 full scholarship offers uh, every day. I would literally receive dozens of cards and letters from top football programs in the mail and And in the evening, famous head coaches would call the house trying to woo me over the phone to get me to go to their school. Uh, It's surreal now to think back that, you know, legends like Tom Osborne, Bobby Bowden, and Howard Schnellenberger actually called my house to want to talk to me. Um, And, you know, the key lesson that I learned from from this experience back being a teenager in high school, uh, which I apply to my professional life to this very day, is this. When you're on top, everybody wants you. Being courted for your skills is is certainly very exciting. However, 
when you don't deliver, especially right out of the gate into the expect into the expectations that that other people set for you, uh, the party can come crashing down pretty quickly. Uh, therefore, I, I never forget that you are only as good as your last performance. And past accolades or the awards that you've gotten in previous years mean nothing. Uh, and in the security consulting world, as in life, it's always, what have you done for me lately? Uh, so moving on with the story, uh, I actually opted to accept a scholarship and play for the University of Florida, uh, which was only a few hours up the road from my, my home uh, then. And, and at the time, I, I went to go play for then new head coach, Steve Spurrier. Now, Spurrier would go on to be a Hall of Fame coach and have a legendary career, as, as most of you listening uh, probably know. Um, during my freshman year at UF, uh, I was redshirted, um, uh, which means I sat out the first year, uh, which is very common in, in, in college sports in, in the United States. So I was redshirted, and I ran the scout team uh, as a quarterback, the practice team, basically. Uh, so this meant that every week I would play the opposing team's quarterback, uh, and would run their plays against uh, our Florida team's starting defense, which at the time was ranked uh, number one in the country. Uh, so during that year, we actually finished the season number three in the polls. Uh, we lost our final game to Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and as we rolled into that next spring practice season, uh, the coaches then couldn't figure out to, what to do with me as a player. Uh, we already had seven other quarterbacks on the depth chart, uh, and they had just signed a future Heisman Trophy winner and legend at UF, a guy named Danny Werfel. Uh, so after I played six different positions during the annual spring game, including playing tight end, defensive back, running back, quarterback, I just made the decision that it, you know, it was time to transfer out of Florida to a school that you know, I would probably see more playing time. So I chose Michigan State, the same school where my, my dad had played basketball 30 years old, earlier. Uh, and at the time then, when I signed, I played for one of the toughest coaches ever, uh, a guy named George Perlis. Now, Perlis, he was the defensive line coach for the NFL's famed Pittsburgh Steelers when they won their four Super Bowls during the 1970s. Uh, and he was instrumental in building what was known as the, the vaunted steel curtain defense back then. So in short, Perlis, he was, he was a mean SOB. I mean, he was a tough guy. Uh, he preached toughness over everything else in the game. Uh, you know, but despite his his gruff exterior, uh, Perlis did deep down have a true love for each of his players. Uh, but it certainly was a tough love. Uh, you know, I, I for myself, I came into the program again. I came in as a quarterback because I was more of an overall athlete rather than some pure drop back pocket passer. I ended up being more of a utility player uh, on the team. I played both on offense and defense, uh, which was rare. Uh, and I played on uh, every one of the special teams. And if you know anything about football, uh, special teams are pretty much the guys who run down the field full speed, colliding with other other, other players on the opposition head first. Uh, so I, I did get my share of concussions. Uh, you know, in particular, on one kickoff, I got knocked out cold for a few seconds. And when I woke up, I ran over to the opposing team's bench. was a it was a little embarrassing. Um, but anyway, after a few mediocre seasons uh, at MSU, uh, Coach Perlis was fired. Uh, it was a real shame. You know, he'd been uh, an institution at the school, and he was always good to me, and I made sure that I, I played hard for him and my, my teammates. Um, but, you know, the life lessons that I took away from my years under Coach Perlis uh, was, was really this. You, you can't always be the star. Uh, sometimes you, you have to sacrifice yourself and become the best role player 
in a system that you can be uh, in, in order for the, the overall team to be better off. And, you know, the, the collective team is always more important than the individual star. And I'm so grateful that I was blessed to be part of a team at such a high level of competition. Uh, I know that, that people who go into the military or in law enforcement, they're also very fortunate to get the experience uh, uh, and, and the, the, just understanding the importance of being part of something that's so much bigger than themselves. And, and honestly, I feel very sorry for people who've not been able to be part of a true team environment. Uh, I think the world would be a better place and people would be much more able to understand others and, and people from other backgrounds if, if true teams were more prevalent in our, in our society. Um, you know, but, but anyway, you know, my final year, Coach Perlis had gotten fired. So my final year as a senior, uh, actually, uh, Coach Nick Saban was, was hired to replace him. And if you aren't familiar with college football or you've been living under a rock for the past 20 years, Saban is currently the most successful coach in, in all of football. Uh, he's also the highest paid. He's won six national championships and may go down as the greatest coach ever. Um, so I was fortunate enough to play for him during my my senior my senior year. Uh, it was it was actually his first year as a head coach. Uh, he had been successful as the defensive coordinator for Bill Jel uh, Belichick with the Cleveland Browns uh, before Belichick went on to become the now famous coach with the New England Patriots. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, bringing this back to business terms, Saban is most closely associated with his philosophy of having a process for everything, and I and I mean everything from how to script your entire daily routine to how tall a player should be at his position or what his ideal weight to strength ratio should be uh, to even, you know, things as, as trivial as what's the ideal shoe size for each player at their position. Uh, you know, th there, there's really this precision that everything uh, to everything that, that, that coach Saban does, you know, but before Saban became the, the guru of the process, uh, you know, he was simply a young coach who was trying to instill a winning mindset into a then average uh, team, which which we were. Uh, and I can distinctly remember him telling us uh, the quote, mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. And I've carried this mantra with me throughout my professional career. And I can tell you, I hate being around people with mediocre mindsets. And by this, I mean people who do just the bare minimum to get by. I used to work in government. And man, let me tell you, there are some real bureaucrats out there who only do the absolute minimum required of them. They'll show up at 9.01 every morning and leave at 4.59 each afternoon. And in between, they just gossip, they BS, or they complain about their job. Now, don't get me wrong. I've met some of the most talented and extraordinary people in the government who could easily go into the private sector and succeed and, and sure make a heck of a lot more money. But because of patriotism and their need to serve their, their fellow man, they do public service. They, they really are America's true heroes. And, and I certainly commend them and, and will never you know, disparage their, their sacrifices they make for, for the rest of us. Unfortunately though, these people, they're a minority. Uh, there's not as many of them as, as you would kind of hope for. Um, but anyway, getting back to football, you know, one other thing that was instilled in me from, from Coach Saban was this, to never, ever say or think, poor me. 
there, there's no poor me's. I remember that uh, distinctly. Uh, you know, it was inherently forbidden to ever feel sorry for yourself, uh, regardless of what your circumstances might be. Uh, you know, we were informed from day one uh, that life is tough and you reap what you sow. So, you know, if, if life gives you lemons, screw making lemonade, you go plant a damn citrus orchard and, and set the price on the commodities market for your, you know, for your, uh, for your, for your product there. Uh, you know, that's how winners should be thinking. So the idea of self-pity and mediocre thinking, you know, that, that was never tolerated. Uh, so you can kind of see, it's no wonder where, where Saban is today. Um, so I'm very grateful for, for those things being instilled to me uh, by, by him and, and the coaching staff. So, uh, you know, finally, when, when I graduated college, uh, I got a tryout with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it was just for one day, but uh, I think that one day was the highlight of my football career. Uh, and then after that, I went to a preseason training camp uh, with an arena football team. Uh, which that was, that was a little silly, but uh, I was doing that. And then my agent called me and said that a team in Europe, uh, more specifically the country of Sweden, wanted me to come over and play quarterback. Um, now, I didn't know Sweden had football or Europe really had football for, for that matter. And when I say the competition in Europe was bad, you know, I think my, my high school team could have beaten some of the, of the, uh, the, the clubs uh, over there. Um, However, you know, it was an opportunity for me to, to travel and experience new cultures. And to this day, it probably is the single best professional decision I've ever made. Uh, if I hadn't gone to Sweden, I never would have fallen in love with, uh, you know, the concept of travel, uh, my love of history, uh, and the overall excitement that I find with, you know, international relations and, and geopolitical issues. That one crazy decision to go play American football for a team in Scandinavia uh, has influenced everything else I've done in my life, particularly becoming a global security consultant who now runs his own firm and has clients on six continents. Um, so the key takeaway here is that you never know how one unusual, uh, risky decision can completely change your life for the better. And, and you know, like the saying goes, without risk, there is no reward. Um, so when I returned from Europe after, after that one season, uh, I kind of knew my, my football playing days were done. Uh, I'd been playing football since I was 12 years old and it was, it was basically time to grow up or at least stop playing organized sports, maybe not grow up. Um, you know, my career after football, it's, it's certainly been much more successful and rewarding than every, anything I ever did, uh, you know, in pads and cleats. Uh, however, I, I never would have grown into the man I am without those early experiences and, and all the, the great co uh, coaches that I was, I was fortunate to have and, and, the, and the great teammates along the way, too. So really uh, blessed on, on so many fronts to be able to, to play sports. And that's why I'm such a, a proponent of, of you know, kids and, and everybody being on teams and the importance of it uh, as well. So um, anyway, I, I think that's enough about my, my history uh, and talking about football. That's, that, that, that's all about the excitement of it there. So I hope you enjoyed this more personal episode of the Global Security Consultant Podcast. Uh, and, and I hope that the, the lessons that I shared with you resonate. If, if you like the podcast, please share it with others. Uh, and I'd love to hear your story sometime. So, you know, feel free. You can contact me through our SMI website. Uh, the contact page is on www.smiconsultancy.com. Uh, and again, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with another episode shortly. And until then, 
Uh, thanks and, and stay safe and vigilant out there. Take care. We'll